welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Somaru. Hey everybody, this week I'm joined by Rosanna Jagard, and she is the CEO and co-founder of DocComs, and DocComs provides secure mobile communication and real-time workflow management for all medical staff to improve working practices, elevate patient care, and further medical research. Interesting, obviously communications in the hospitals is incredibly important, something that I actually think a few people on here have talked about in the past, or potentially a couple, but um, anyway, Rosanna, uh, delighted to have you on. How are you doing? Really good. It's a nice, bright, sunny day in London, and um, yeah, delighted to talk to you. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Whereabouts are you speaking to us from in London? So we live in West London and um, we've lived here for years. Matt has done, Matt, my husband and co-founder, has done all of his medical training in London. So um, I feel like I know London primarily through hospitals and where he's been working and training. Oh, I know that one. I definitely know that one. I know various parts of the country because of where I was You doing. will. You'll know it well. Oh, yeah, definitely. And also, husband and co-founder. Now, that is also interesting to me that I think we'll talk about later on as well. But yeah, no, .coms. Yeah, super interesting. Obviously, WhatsApp being used so much by clinicians. And yeah, I, I believe, I think when you and I spoke last time, that legislation coming in to prevent that or at least improve options for different clinicians different organizations and that kind of thing so yeah looking forward to getting into it massively but um as you probably know from episodes that you may have listened to before we start by uh getting a bit of your story and you have an interesting background that actually is not health tech um yet here you are ceo of a health tech company and so it would be super interesting for our listeners if you could tell us a bit of your story I actually started quite early in my life and thinking, right, I want to be um, probably at the early stages without working out what it actually meant to be an entrepreneur. I always wanted to earn my own money and be independent of my parents. And um, I think, you know, that sort of trait has always been with me from a very early age. I actually decided um, I wanted to do law, but I I actually went down the property law route and um, very quickly discovered that I couldn't sit still for seven or eight hours a day reading legal drafts and documents, although I loved it. I really loved it. I actually studied um, land management at Reading, which was, it was just the perfect fit for me because it pulled in so many different disciplines um, that it was, I really enjoyed it. It sort of played to my strengths. I was out and about a lot uh, and working with people, which, you know, really sets me alive. So it it was incredibly interesting. Reading was great. I moved. I didn't take a gap year. I didn't go traveling. I was incredibly focused, went straight into a big London property business and started working when I was 21. So um, straight over to the dizzy heights of London. And I've been here ever since, actually. I I'd, I'd definitely say I've become a Londoner. I, I love the city. I love the buzz, the multicultural nature of London, um, the efficiency, the busyness everything that you know there's just so many advantages to living in London and not honestly you can get to most places pretty easily and quickly in Europe and states and things so you know I'm a real um a diehard Londoner I'd say now and that's where I met my my husband and my now co-founder as well so you know a lot of special memories here and we've been here you know over 20 years so it's yeah it's been an interesting background for me but you know in terms of coming to health tech 
it's it's not straightforward. I, you know, my property background was more investment. It was huge buildings in both the city and the West End. Um, I worked on the big redevelopment of King's Cross and St Pancras, where we put the likes of Google in. And um, I got to know sort of tenants there really well worked with architects there you know again loved it my big sort of uh u-turn or change in career direction came when we actually started a family and our eldest son was diagnosed with autism that was a, a bit of a shock for me and i actually took a career break uh, the company i was working for were incredibly supportive and i was able to work quite flexibly to support william at home and it was only when i was thinking about going back that um Matt had had this was actually his third IT idea that he was putting into the NHS and he needed someone to run the business anybody who's been um, living with married to brought up a son or a daughter um, or has experienced any type of work in in medicine will know about the long hours they'll know about um, sort of shift patterns um, quite tiring days um, quite um i say in certain senses quite overwhelming at certain times you know if you have got an awkward case or you're seeing patients quite a lot it can be quite tiring and when matt was running um started sort of started out with the idea for dot coms it, it actually became pretty obvious to get a co-founder for him was going to be quite difficult just in the sense of his working around his shift patterns working around his ideas how they were going to start working together and it was only when he sort of suggested that I might want to run it. First of all, I was I was shocked because, as you say, I'd worked in property. It definitely wasn't a natural fit. But actually, the fit of us two working together was a really strong one. You know, I the complementary skills that we had from each other worked really well. And it also meant he could come home late at night and we could just, you know, get straight into the product development. We could speak about our investors. We could speak about, you know, which hospital we were going to be working with next. And you have to be a little bit careful. Uh, you don't work every hour of the day, but it, it worked really well for us. Certainly when COVID hit, that that was a, a real sort of span in the works for most people. But again, you know, we stayed together. We, we weren't one of these families that sort of, you know, Matt didn't move into the hospital primarily because I didn't want to be completely on my own uh, for the whole six months. But it meant that he could come home in the evening and we would, you know, we'd work around that because it was just the two of us in the family. So there was no interruptions. We just, we worked through COVID. It was um, a break from the world as everybody found, but we just carried on working. So it's been incredibly interesting. I, I think what I bring to this business is the compassion and the understanding from a patient's point of view, which I think sometimes as professionals, medical professionals, you forget. I mean, for a lot of people, it's a, it's a day job and they go in and, and even though they care about the patients enormously, because that's one of the things and one of the strengths that I really love about our NHS, the staff in our NHS are just fantastic. You know, it's still a job and you, you can become slightly removed from the fear of even going into hospital as a patient. I am definitely one of those people. My husband is normally banned from talking about work or sort of cases or anything sort of remotely um, sort of gory of any sort of gory nature because I'm not one of those people that enjoys a story, you know, about medicine. It, it scares the life out of me. So from my point of view, developing a system which helped not only the medics deliver better care more efficient care but actually would impact the patient because they would be seen quicker they would be able to have second opinions on a much more regular basis they would actually get a better level of care through something that we were delivering to them 
it just made complete sense to me. I think, you know, everybody in the world could be directly or indirectly impacted by the benefits of dot coms because we all know somebody who's been unwell. We all know somebody or even, you know, we've been unwell ourselves and you've been into hospital. You've been in the situation where you are completely reliant on the people looking after you. Now, if we can give them a tool to help them communicate to improve your care, that's just a no brainer for me. And that's what Matt sparked in me. You know, when he said, you know, I've got this idea, it would it's going to make a real difference. Um, having had a child with special needs, having been, again, totally reliant on a system that it is very, very intensive. It's, you know, a lot of these staff members are working overtime to make sure that the care levels of care are given and given in an appropriate manner. If we can give these people something that will help them, that will actually take a bit of the pressure off them so they can leave on time at the end of the shift, so they can segregate work from their personal life on, on personal devices. Those are the sorts of things which they're gonna, it's going to benefit everybody. And that's where I think I came alongside Matt and thought, OK, I, I can fundraise on this. I believe in this. And I think others will, too because they can see the value that everybody gets from this. Not just financially, don't get me wrong, we have shareholders who are in this to make money, and so they should. But actually, I think socially, the value that we can give to people is is enormous. And that's that's why I'm here. That's why the shift from property, you know, I bring the business expertise and the commercial mindset to this, and try and also bring that sort of that vulnerability of a patient or even just a spouse who has been married to somebody um, who doesn't get those endorphins when they help somebody, you know, just, you know, suffers from the fact that somebody gets home late from their shift yet again. You know, I've been one of those people that, you know, standing on the side of the door and Matt's exhausted having helped people, but again, felt as though he's had a worthwhile day. I'm just cross he's late. (laughs) So, you know, it's those types of things, again, that, you know, when I saw dot coms and really thought about the opportunity, uh, when you speak to the managers, they recognize the problem of WhatsApp. They recognize the problem that actually at the end of the shift, these people are there typing up notes because there's no other way of doing it. You know, if we're giving them a tool where they can actually type up notes and do handovers, no matter where they are, even if they're outside of the hospital or just about to go home, and we can speed up that process. Everybody benefits. You know, we have less burnout. I think that's one of the big problems in the NHS at the minute. People are burning out. They're exhausted after COVID. And yeah, that was why this has all come about and why we believe really strongly and passionately that, you know, communications in healthcare are so important. We are transferring something which is not only in monetary terms, really valuable medical data, but actually can save somebody's life. If we can get something across where they can't send it by email, they're working at the weekend and there's very few options for them to be able to communicate with each other or even know who the, if they're connecting to the right person to get that second opinion, we can help with all of that and actually really benefit everybody. It's a lovely story. And actually, I think what hits me immediately is where you start that in terms of property law, land management you'd be forgiven especially if you're giving that in any investor intros you'd be forgiven for wondering okay well how qualified might this person be but what's so interesting is i suppose how 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 that story that you just told evolved through simply being the spouse of somebody whose problem you can actually solve and that's a personal motivator being a parent 
being a patient, being a carer, all of that is what gives you the motivation, which is step number one to starting a health tech company anyway, from how many of them I've spoken to. Number two is what skills do you have to solve the problem, which, as you've talked about, there's business, there's commercial, um, and then combining that with, as you called it, the vulnerability of being a patient, being a spouse, being a carer, being all of those different things, you, you have the skills and the drive necessary. And then to look at the nuance, right? And to talk about co-founders more generally, because for anybody to find a co-founder is incredibly difficult, I find. Um, I think it's there's plenty of people willing, I think, but to come across the unicorn person that is a mixture of interested to the same degree, skilled to the same degree, but across different things and complementarily different things as well, is incredibly difficult. And I think for you to have found that then in your husband is incredible. And actually the way that you guys come together, you have the passion, you both have the passion uh, and he's connected to it on a day-to-day basis, but actually what you're bringing with the business and commercial is incredibly valuable. What I liked actually was how you, how you, you immediately thought about fundraising because you obviously have been involved in buildings and infrastructure and, and that King's Cross development, which is incredible by the way. And the, the ease at which I suppose you looked at it as a business problem and you said, well, actually I can fundraise for that because even in you making that assessment of, oh, hey, I can fundraise for that. You've, you've analyzed that from a business perspective and you've gone, okay, what's the problem? What's the potential solution? How much capital do we need? What team do I need to put in place? How do I develop the product? How do I iterate it? How do I sell it? How do I market it? So, so wrapped up into that very simple phrase is actually all of your understanding of what you've done through your career to get you to this point of like, oh, hey, I can fundraise for that and solve that problem, I suppose, is the, the part of the sentence that isn't there. And so I, I just find that incredibly interesting. So my first question, and obviously I'm going to use the opportunity to uh, to talk about this with you, is that it's not it's no secret that Jess and I are in a relationship, my co-founder in Somex, and, and we're engaged and we're going to get married next May. And obviously the, the way that you talked about elements of that definitely resonated with me. You talked about the speed of getting things done because you talked about being able to come home at night and you said you have to be careful, but you talked about the ability to then like thrash things out over, like during the evening where perhaps, you know, your husband's been on call or, or just had a, a normal day or whatever. And, and you've got that time to do all those different things. There is the speed of that. There is the danger of that as, as you've, as you've pointed out, but actually when it comes to a co-founder relationship, I'm interested in your take on this. What do you think are the positives? Let me just open question it. You talked about the speed, but what actually, what what else do you think are the positives? I'm going to see if I agree with you. So I think when you look at a co-founder, I mean, it's almost like a marriage, but it's a business marriage, right? And what you're looking for in that other person, you you want complementary skills, but what you don't want is be, to be too similar because otherwise, you know, what you're not doing is bringing different opinions and different um, sort of, opportunities and experiences to the table and this is where I mean I'm a huge believer in diversity and inflexible working and I'm a huge feminist um you know all of these things I think people having different experiences different um life skills different soft skills different um 
different ways of managing people, all of these things will bring a unique perspective to a problem you're trying to solve. And I think, you know, one thing with a co-founder, you've got to be absolutely crystal clear. You are on the same page in terms of your vision. You know, what is that vision? What are you trying to solve? And, you know, when when Matt explained the problem to me, I mean, you've met Matt. Matt and I are chalk and cheese. You know, Matt, if he can use five words to answer a question, he will use two. I will use 50. You know, those we are very, very different people. He is much more black and white. I'm I'm all grey. It's, you know, I'm constantly you know, looking at different areas where we can improve and how the business evolves and what our product's doing. And when I first came to this, you know, you pointed out rightly, uh, you know, when you first speak to investors, I mean, we have 20 um, angel investors. And when I first started speaking to them, I was really honest because the one thing I didn't want to do is take their money under any false pretense. You know, I was not a health tech expert. I was not somebody who had fundraised for a startup before. I'd worked in commercial property. I had, you know, I'd done investment deals, big investment deals, but it hadn't been my money. And there's a certain security from that. What I knew how to do and what I'd learned from the people who worked around me, I was very fortunate. I worked with some incredible tenants, some incredible advisors, some really good lawyers. I always had the best team around me. And some of those people, in fact, a lot of them I'm still in touch with. You know, you mentioned King's Cross. And when you went up, that when you go up there to see Google or see these buildings now, you'd never believe that we started out. When I first started doing that project, it was a brownfield site. I mean, I would open the marketing suite back door and show them this muddy brownfield. It, it was a hell of a sale. But again, we were looking at a vision. And when I worked with my client, Argent, on that project, I was up there every day. You know, I was working with them, living and breathing the marketing suite, living and breathing the vision. So I knew what was achievable. You know, I'd worked with visionaries. And actually, the most important thing was that they were honest. The reason Google went up there was because we were really honest about not only what King's Cross would give them, but actually what King's Cross was going to give back to the community and why that was so different to every other neighborhood in London. They bought into that because of the social interaction, because of the the gentrification that was going to happen, because of the massive stations and the opportunity to get into Europe on the back of that. It was all about stories and people and honesty and, you know, building that. And that's what I saw with dot coms. You know, we had the opportunity to do something really special, really worthwhile. So when I looked at Matt and heard him deliver, you know, what he wanted to do, I actually thought, no, this is bigger because you're looking at it from the medical point of view. You're looking at it from the point of need, from that patient. What you're not seeing is actually the relief that washes over those people's faces as they're stood by the bedside of some relative that's sick. You know, actually, when a doctor, a nurse, a midwife, physio, anybody helps that patient, they're also helping the family around them because they're the ones that reap the benefits from seeing this person improve. And that's what I suppose a really strong co-founder relationship should be like, because we have had investors. One investor said to us, well, what happens if you two get divorced? You know, what happens? You know, what happens to the business? And I was like, to be honest, I mean, we are more wedded to this than anybody else. You know, all of our energy is going into this business. We have a young family that are now dependent on this business. We are in lockstep on this. You know, we are committed to building this. And actually, when it gets really hard, you need to know that other person is right there with you. Not that they, you know, your other co-founder has a job and doesn't stand to lose as much. Not that actually they, you know, they're financially, they're better off. And, you know, actually, does it matter for them if this fails? Matt and I were completely aligned. This was going to work. 
we were going to do this, not just because it made us and a family successful, but because we really believed in it, him from the point of care and seeing those patients develop, me from a point of seeing it from that that patient side and the fa- the family and the relatives around them seeing the benefit of how this could change. You know, we, we there's loads of stories where, you know, having dot coms and, you know, as people have gradually taken up the system where it's helped, it's speeded up the ability for people to transfer images, transfer notes, to actually get second opinions and actually start seeing patients more quickly. So referrals have been made really quickly over a Sunday night, whereas before that wouldn't have happened. You know, x-rays that couldn't have been sent have been sent. And this is where we see the real benefit. So to go back to your question about co-founders, what do I think it needs? I think there needs to be a complete clarity of vision and both of you need to buy into that and I think you both need to be really committed because building a startup you know I'm making it sound great and really amazing right now but it does get hard there are days where you genuinely want to chuck in the towel and think this isn't going to work what were we thinking um and you've got to know that other person at the point where you're going through a wobble is going to say no we've got this you know you you need that absolute slot it was well I suppose it's that camaraderie really that you you need in that other person you know if somebody else has the ability to walk away when it gets hard it won't work it will just become something or another one of the ideas because there are times when it it does it it feels too hard you know it would be much easier to go back and and to get a job and get a monthly salary it's only when you're completely committed and you know each other very well I think that's one of the things um, you you have to know and understand each other. So when somebody is struggling, that person picks you up and vice versa. You, know, you have to complement each other. You're right. The, the advantages are there's that unity, there's that understanding and there's that support. And I think it's a, that, that is a lesson for co-founders more broadly, I think, that of, of course there are negatives, which are relatively obvious of like you can disagree on things and then it comes home and then... There's the there's the physical reality of it being at home as well, and and the inability to separate. There's lot there's lots of disadvantages that actually come alongside, which which are what they are. But you're absolutely right, and I think that's that's really I suppose the learning point here, which is like what can other co-founder relationships get from the knowledge that we have of of the fact that it is at home and all these different things. But you're right. It's, you you operate as a single entity almost. It's almost like you don't you don't need to even ask the person's opinion of what they think of something because you know what they think of something because you know them so well, and that gives you an understanding. You, you do have access to each other to each other for support. But I I think what all that leads to is speed. Like I really do. I think there's absolutely no way that for us we could have gone as quickly as we have uh, because. You'd, you'd frankly the, the amount of things you don't need to book a meeting for it's just is just crazy because you just get it but yeah i think in the states they do it they've seen it where they've taken small businesses and grown them if you look at you know the sort of founding partners of apple and microsoft and people they they've had co-founders but what they've tended to do is literally get an office and basically live together that's what they've done and if you think about actually what you and Jess do and what man I do, you live together, you live and breathe it. So actually, it's not just the fact that you're always, you know, there with each other. It's the fact that you want to get on. And I think that's, that's the, again, the difference. It's not somebody who's going to sit around and think, OK, let's mull this over. It's right. Come on. This is the opportunity. Let's get on with it because this is important. And it's, it's also that trust. 
that somebody else is going to be giving the same amount you're going to give. Um, you know, I've seen it when, you know, I've spoken to other co-founders and one of them has kept their job. Now, interestingly, Matt has kept his job. We we absolutely fundamentally agreed that he should stay in the NHS, exactly where the need for this product has arisen, exactly to understand what's going on on a daily basis. Not only that, I think most people, it's a vocation for most doctors and nurses. And, you know, they're doing it not just for the money, they're doing it because they love their job. And actually to take Matt away from that, we wouldn't be playing to his strengths. But if we were co-founders and he'd kept his job and I'd taken all the risk by giving up my career, it, there would be that real fear that somebody at some point is going to resent the other party. And so it's it's that trust, isn't it? You know, you know what you've given up. It's completely transparent and you're both working towards the same goal. So speed, I agree with you. But I think that comes if you are co-founders that are going to work together with the right vision, you will work quickly you will get the job done. Whether you move into an office together, whether you work enormously long hours, that's, I think, part of the part of the reason some people step outside of that profile of, you know, because the, the stats are pretty alarming. I think most businesses in the first five years, it's like 90% of them fail. I mean, it's scary. You know, on that basis alone, you think, why on earth do we bother? But actually, it's that, you know what, we need to get this done. We need to deliver this. Let's work quickly, efficiently. Um, and I think that comes through passion, um, not just the fact that you live together. Because it would be very easy to switch off and think, oh, no, we've talked about work too much. We'll watch a movie. You've both got to be on the same page that you're driving towards um, getting something delivered and done. I think what we're talking about here is, is good communication, aren't we? And, and ultimately, the, the the values of that. And and partly that's why we're both doing what we're doing in, in various different ways. And so... In terms of dot coms, then, so that everybody is clear, the the simple question is: This just WhatsApp for doctors? Of course, it's not. There's obviously lots of elements of of task management and image sharing, and there's lots of things that come along with that. But why don't you just tell us about dot coms product wise, um, and then we can talk about potentially why this might be different to other things around, or indeed the state of the market that you guys want to slice off. So DocComs, Doctor Communications, that's where the name has come from. Um, we, I was asked why it was called DocComs quite recently. Uh, why not NurseComs or PhysioComs? And the answer was really easy. Um, in a hospital setting, in, um, in, in fact, across the UK, the number of doctors compared to nurses and other areas of specialty is a lot lower. So actually trying to get hold of a doctor can be a little bit of a barrier for progressing care, whether or not you need the prescription signed off, whether you want to discharge somebody, whether you want to do the referral document, whether you want to change medication, whether or not you've got a problem and you're concerned, you need a second opinion, whether or not somebody needs to go to theatre, the list goes on. All of those things need a doctor's sign off. So what we're seeing happening is actually there becomes a real blockage to progressing someone's care or getting them some help if you can't get hold of that doctor. Now, in hospitals, uh, particularly, they use WhatsApp. I think there's other things, there's other solutions used. I think Signal might be one of them because it's perceived to be more secure. 
what they're seeing then is that data that when you try to get hold of these doctors, it gets lost. It's sat on a server in California and you can't access it. It doesn't go into your medical records. You have no sort of transparency of what's been said, what's been discussed, whether or not that's a really vital piece of information that's been shared. And also when that call was made, you know, if you, if you try and get hold of somebody on WhatsApp, what it doesn't do is record that against a dialogue or against a patient number. So the difficulty is what you're then trying to understand is, well, how urgent is this? I don't know about you, but emotions I find very hard to read on text messages. So, you know, trying to get something across it, whether it's urgent or not, on a WhatsApp message is pretty damn difficult. So when we're looking at actually helping um, the speed of care, we're, we're thinking about actually making sure it's efficient and also relevant we actually sort of tag and make sure patient discussions take place with a unique identifier. So there can be no mix up about if somebody's moved bed, you know, you know who that patient is and there can be no disputing who that, that the discussion is about. You also know, because you know the background on this person, actually this could be urgent. I, I need to get there quickly. So it will also give you an element of triage, which actually you definitely can't do on WhatsApp if it's in a big long stream of um, sort of text messages about various different patients. So what we've tried to do is take the problems that people have experienced on WhatsApp, because let's face it, there's a huge number of advantages. You know, WhatsApp is free. It's quick. It's easy to use. And a lot of people use it. So, you know, you can access people on WhatsApp quickly and easily. What you can't do is give a quality of care. You can't then follow up. You don't know when that person was last seen. You can't ask a specific question. You can't look at when their bloods were taken. You can't set a task for somebody to do that in your absence. And you can't, you know, then understand which patient you're talking about if it's just a long line of script. So all of these areas where we could potentially improve WhatsApp on the basis that you still have secure communication, you're still going to have your real speed and efficiency of uh, text messages, you're still going to be able to see, you know, a number of people on the system and get hold of people quickly, you know, what's going to take it above and beyond that? That's what we've tried to do. So dot coms is more about, you know, giving those all of those clinicians, all of those medical practitioners, all of those nurses and everybody inputting into the care access to the doctor really quickly and easily. Because if they can send them a very specific message on a patient, they can respond. The doctor can respond in kind and be able to progress that treatment. So dot-coms was really born out of the fact that, you know what, if you need a doctor quickly, you need to dot-coms them. And, you know, if you, you don't tend to message somebody on WhatsApp, you will WhatsApp them. And that was exactly the same with dot-coms. We want people dot-coming each other. You know, you want dot-coms? Perfect, I'll dot-com to you. And we're seeing that happen in hospitals. And when I first heard that, I had to be quite careful I didn't sort of whoop because I was like, yes, it's worked. You know, people are taking the name on and using it as we envisaged and actually getting the benefits and feeling the benefits and being able to progress treatment quickly. And for all of these reasons, that's why dot-coms has come. When we started out with our product roadmap, I, I thought naively when we first started with technology that we would deliver this and it would be, oh, great, we just maintain it. As we have gone further into this and as I've spoken to more people and, you know, gauged their opinion and actually what's more helpful for them, our product roadmap has grown and grown and grown and then we prioritize things for people and the beauty of it is is when somebody mentions something that's really important to them uh, you know even if it's just the sound it makes when you know an alert comes through when we can go back to them and say we've changed it you know 
the experience that you get when you say to these people, these individuals, yeah, we've changed it. We took on board what you said. We've changed it. You know, you now have an option. You can choose what it sounds like. It has been fantastic and really rewarding. That's the area where I think, you know, a, a lot of these people get technology systems. They get quite complicated varying different sort of devices, medical devices, recording tools. They all need different logins. They spend a long time learning how to use these things and they're very rarely intuitive. That's why we wanted to make .coms different. So they could pick it up. It would feel really easy. Even, I mean, some of our, our technology investors have been light years ahead of our medical investors who are actually using this product because some of them use WhatsApp because quite frankly, they don't know how to use anything else. So we had to make sure that our medical investors could use it. So we did quite a lot of testing with our first investors, one of whom actually said to me, I said, well, how are you finding the platform? He said, can I just stop you? I bought a train on a platform. <laughs> I was like, right, an app. Um, it's, it's those sorts of things. And you think, you know what, I'm dealing with somebody who this isn't their modus operandi. This isn't what they're used to. We're asking them to do something slightly different to improve care. So it's going to take a little bit of time. So the easier we can make that, the more intuitive, the sort of more straightforward that we can actually make it for them, the more people will engage and the more value they can get from .coms. And that's why we base it primarily on the user. It's been built from the ground up with their their involvement. Um, we work with various sports medicines as well. So again, we've been able to bespoke elements for them just to make it easier. So again, for the first time ever, we can take, you know, when there's there's problems at the track, the, the pitch, whatever, we can take that back in to the NHS record where it's necessary. And again, all of these different features that just are making it much easier for people to do their jobs, it's going to enable the, the patient to benefit because they get better care. And if we can do that, we're doing the right thing. So yes, it is WhatsApp, right? It's WhatsApp, but it's it's taking it to the next level and giving them things that actually is going to help the patient ultimately. My question, though, I suppose, is that many have come and gone and you can name them and a lot of them pivot and a lot of them don't get the traction uh, and lots of lots of different reasons, right? Why I th why I think some of them have come and gone. Why do you think that this hasn't stuck yet? Because I can remember a BBC article even on this, maybe a year or two ago, sort of announcing this this WhatsApp problem and you know sparking a market and all those different things. Is it linked to features? Is it linked to an adoption strategy? Is it linked to something else? Why do you think this hasn't worked previously? And what are you guys going to do differently to make sure it does? So we've been working on this product for three years. So we started in 2019. And the way we approached it was always, this was a product for the user. So for the doctors, the clinicians, the nurses, um, the midwives, everybody that was going to be using this was medically trained. You know, even plastic surgeons, dermatologists, people that take lots of photos and actually tell me, you know, I, I just take loads and loads of photos. And when you understand where those photos are stored and they're on their personal phone, again, they've got a problem. You know, but there was no solution to that. There hasn't been. There has been 
I think we have sort of large electronic patient record systems in the UK, which are great for huge storage of data and, you know, patient records when they're based in hospital. What it doesn't enable is any type of data sharing between the different disciplines. Your GP then finds it very difficult to get the relevant information from the hospital. And it's reliant on then somebody sending them, which I, I think we've probably all experienced that sometimes doesn't happen. You know, this is the big systems, people and things, some things won't get missed. The difference with, I think, dot coms, we have spent so long perfecting this with the user, not only within the NHS, but privately and, you know, outside of that as well to get this right. So when people pick it up, you know, what you're what you're asking of these people who are time poor, normally under pressure to see several patients, you're asking them to adopt a new system. Now, if that system isn't easy to pick up and easy to adopt, why would they do it? Because actually at the point of need where that patient needs you, you're not just going to pick something up that's more difficult to use or takes you more time to then contact your colleagues. And we understood very, very quickly that the reason WhatsApp was used is for speed. You know, it was all about efficiency. If they needed to get hold of somebody quickly or send them a message when they had very, very limited time, they were able to do so. And I think that's when, if I look at um, sort of various other systems, they've probably looked at USPs where, you know, there's loads of features, there's um, there's a USP where there's certain aspects of sharing documents or, and, and aspects of like that. But what they haven't thought about is the ease of use and the speed at which this transaction, this message, this, this phone call, this video message, um, dictating, they haven't thought, gosh, this needs to be done really quickly. Because, you know, what we're not dealing with somebody is, you know, they're not sat at a desk, they're on their feet, they're on the go. Or if they are, even if the GPs are at the desk, they have only a few minutes to see this patient. Therefore, I, I you know, I recently went, it's with William, went to the GP, and it, he wanted to take a picture of something. But to take the picture was easy. That was the easy bit. Trying to upload it onto the system, then email it to somebody. We were sat there for for a long time. And... And it was only then I said, you know, how how else could you do this? Because through dot coms, he literally could send it, take a picture on his phone, send it straight away. He knows it's secure. It's all done by the patient um, identifier, so the NHS number, and it could go straight to the right person. So it cuts out all of this messing around with different systems. And what we realized very quickly was that hospitals work in a silo, GPs work in a silo. All of these technology solutions have been designed for a specific purpose. What none of them are designed for is to allow people to talk to each other and to send things across care boundaries. You know, what what nobody seems to have thought about is actually when a midwife is on her sort of routine rounds in the community, she takes a laptop, a weighing scales, which are really heavy. Normally she's on foot or she's on a bike. Uh, I say he could be he, she. What they haven't got is any protection of anybody knowing where they are. Through dot coms, we can track them on GPS. We know exactly where they are to give them safeguarding. We can make sure that they can, they all carry their mobile phone. They can take photos on their mobile phone. They've then got a record against the patient number, which they can be sent to hospital if there's a problem. And we're not asking them to do anything different. We're just simply utilizing a piece of technology they already carry and making it secure and efficient to do so. That's the difference. And I think, you know, my co-founder has stayed in the NHS because we thought it was so important that he continue to live and breathe this problem and to keep experiencing where we could make dot-coms better. It's not enough to simply hand off and say, this is your piece of technology, go, make it useful. The reason WhatsApp has survived so long is because nobody's come along and done a better job. 
that is quite simply the reason. You know, if you look at the US companies, they understand viral growth, but I don't think we've seen it done in the UK enough to justify why it is so important. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've answered so many questions that I had, but I think, yeah, it's about, I think in in that clinical area, it's about making things as frictionless as possible and to give people the tools that they will just use. Now, whether they want to, not if they like it or think it's cool or think it's useful, it's, it's everything. It's just that they just will. And I think it starts with, as you said, building for the user in mind. And that is about communication and it's about understanding. And I think that's what you have in a clinical co-founder that truly understands the ground floor. And it seems like you guys are built around communications with good communications in mind. And I think it therefore is a good product. And it's those basic business principles of building for the user in mind, communications, understanding, looking at what incumbents do and doing things better or differently that creates the market leader. I should know because that's pretty much how we approached our business too. And I, th- and I think, therefore, it's very clear and very evident that you do not, to bring this full circle, that you do not need a background in health tech to run a business like that when you have the fundamentals and then you have the complementary skills and someone in the co-founding team is clinical. It doesn't necessarily mean that the CEO has to be. So I think that's, yeah, an incredibly good learning point, I think, for everybody listening that has aspirations in health tech that might not have a health tech background, that this is not only possible but arguably optimal. And I think that's a really important point that the way you've set up your co-founder relationship is that he remains clinical. I think that's interesting. Investors will always question it, um, as, as can anyone fairly, I think, question that. But I think where it can relate to marketing and sales, <laughs> which basically is what you're saying, as well as product development, by the way, it remains incredibly important. So look, I mean, Rosanna, listen, it, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on time has run away from us incredibly quickly i am going to get you back on to talk about fundraising because 20 angel investors is a very interesting number and to know how you got that i think will be an interesting one for us but in the meantime if people want to learn more about you or they want to learn more about dot coms what's the best way for them to do so you can get a hold of me on linkedin i am all over our website so you can always find out about me then i would say um for anybody wanting to find out about the journey of becoming a founder or anything, there are so many good resources out there. I mean, you know, How I Built This is an absolutely brilliant book. Um, I'm wearing my dot-coms hoodie today because Sarah Blakely used to sort of parade around in her Spanx t-shirt and always used to get, um, you know, be her own sort of personal promoter. And, and it works, right? I try and make sure that Matt, when he goes out to go to conferences and things, he wears his dot-coms hoodie because it does strike up a conversation and people want to know more. In terms of actually finding out more about me, the best way to probably get me is through an email uh, and you can find out my email on on our website. That's really easy. Um, And in terms of tips for other founders and people that are going to go through this, fundraising, I would say always takes longer than you think, even with an amazing vision and a really good success story. You you have to leave more time than you think you think you need. And surround yourself with a really good team that is the one key thing I I think that's the thing that's going to make a difference about whether or not you deliver this you know get people that intimidate you because you think crikey are they going to work 
for me or with me because you're just you know you feel like they're so out of your league that's the game changer that's when the magic happens when you are put under pressure by your team because they've run away and done something and you think wow that's amazing but I didn't expect that or you know they're on a vision as well they're on a journey and I think that's where the real magic happens in businesses you know you you put yourself as a co-founder as a CEO out of your comfort zone because your team is so good that's when you know you think you're being challenged all the time you're constantly uh, perfecting your product and your team and striving to get somebody to join that team who again is the next level of what you expect that's you know that's the game changer hey everyone thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode remember to subscribe rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content